Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Geekscapists. Welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan, your host. And if this is your first Geekscape, well, strap yourselves in. We're going to be talking all about James Gunn's new The Suicide Squad that hit theaters this past weekend. This is not your typical Geekscape. Usually I'm sitting down with a guest and my co-host, Katie. If you want a typical Geekscape, go back in the feed one episode. And uh, we had a whole lot of fun talking to author Eric J. Brown about his upcoming um, YA novel. It's coming out early next year. Really, really good episode. We had a great conversation. Um, and yeah, if this is your first Geekscape and you are like, hey, what's a traditional Geekscape like? Well, this is close. I did start the uh, show way back in 2005, 2006 with Ian Kerner, who's going to be joining me here in a bit to talk to the Suicide Squad. But usually we sit down and talk movies, video games, comic books, TV, all the geek stuff with a guest. Search the feed. There's all sorts of stuff going back 15 years you might enjoy. Uh, and it's all there for you, so enjoy that. But today, right now, for you, live, we are going to be talking The Suicide Squad. Um, I got some comments. I'm getting a little bit of criticism right here on the comments. Let's just start with this, and let's clear the deck, and then let's talk Suicide Squad with Ian. Ian's currently doing a little bit of research. Uh, he's always just going deep on all the comic knowledge. That's why you'll come back for these specials. He really, really is a pretty awesome resource. Um, Jim Pugnarelli says, you are much more beardy than the last time I saw you. It looks good. <laughs> I hate it. But um, Geeks gave us, I'm filming an insert shot, uh, doing a little cameo in a film, and I cannot wait to film it and be done with it so I can shave it because I like having a clean shaven face. And right now, yeah, this is about two weeks, a week and a half worth of uh gruff that I have on my face, and it is very un-Jonathan. I haven't gotten a haircut. I have not shaved my face, and I feel... I'm feeling it. I, uh... I, it is is not nice. Um... <laughs> Big Yanks is jumping in with, the beard is giving me zaddy vibes. 
<laughs> I don't know what Zaddy is, man. I don't, I don't, I don't go to the corners of the internet that you go to. All right, big gangs. I don't, I don't go to those things. I don't. Come on, man. I don't know what Zaddy is. All right, y'all ready for this? Let's talk uh, Suicide Squad. I actually went to see it with Ian, and uh, we had a blast with our good friend Justin. And I think right off the bat, we got to tell you what we think because there wasn't a whole lot of hiding it. All right, Ian. Um, I think it goes without saying, but what do you think of the movie? Loved it. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> um, tonally so right. Uh, I don't know if you've been paying attention to this. and where I, I got caught up reading an article about it. There's so much, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking. But... I'm finding my, I'm, I'm very frustrated by the conversations about the box office on this movie. And what I want to say is, yeah, I, I want to say that, you know, yes, I have HBO Max. I could have watched it at home, but this movie should be seen on the big screen. I agree with you. And I, I'm glad we saw it Thursday night. I do have, after the weekend of COVID numbers and Delta variant numbers, I do have some reservation about like continuing to tell people like, oh, you got to go see this in the theater. Yeah. I do think, and I I totally do think get it's that, a movie that needs to be seen in the theater. Yeah. Yeah. But our I, theater was not, I mean, our theater was probably an eighth full, if that. Our yeah, theater was pretty yeah. empty, I, dude. I, it, it wasn't an issue for us. I mean, look, you know, we don't have to get into the politics of it, but you know, I mean, I'm, I'm vaccinated. You're vaccinated, mm-hmm. you know, wear a mask, that stuff. I mean, you know, obviously you can still be a carrier if you're vaccinated. So, you know, you, people should be careful, but if you can, um, I mean, look, it's scale, right? And that's one of the most awesome things about this movie, you know, that is not a spoiler because I mean, you, you, you need to do your usual, Hey, spoilers coming. If people don't realize that, but you know, Starro. <laughs> oh my goodness. We are going to get to Starro, who is my favorite uh, DC villain. And, you know, there's a re- level of ridiculousness to Starro when you read him on the page, because just the way he's designed and, you know, his powers and stuff. Yeah. And I never thought I'd see him in a movie. And I definitely well, never thought I'd see him in the movie made to be this, like, scary and threatening. Real quick, um, I do want to reiterate, we're going to spoil the heck out of Suicide Squad. We're going to get to what I loved the most about the movie, which may not be the same thing you love the most about the movie. But uh, right now, we got some fatalities here in the uh, comments. Big Yank saying, I regret watching on HBO Max. Not only was he watching on HBO Max, Ian, I think he was watching on HBO Max as soon as it dropped Thursday morning. And you and I had tickets for Thursday Didn't evening. Didn't drop Thursday and, morning. He's in New York. And so yeah, he's watching it, this thing. No, okay, so, no, it so didn't, it listen, didn't drop listen. All right. Hey, okay. Got it. <laughs> he's watching this thing as soon as he can in New York. And then he's texting me stuff. And I had to just tell him, hey, shut up. I'm going to see it in the theaters. Stop talking. Because he's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then there's this, this and this. And I was like, please, just stop. Stop, big ganks. Stop. But who can really? He's like, Starro, who can stop big ganks? Uh, and then Jim says, so one of the common complaints I had and agreed with about the first movie is why is Harley there besides marketing? Great, he, great, great. He great no longer feels that way after yeah, this movie. This was a great, um, the best use of Harley yet, I thought. And, and, <laughs> and, and honestly, when you look at Birds of Prey, which is really centered around her, and this was still the definitive Harley. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this is the best Harley that we've Well, you know, I was screen. very disappointed in Birds of Prey. And uh, that movie should have been so much better than it was. Actually, I, I think the Harley stuff was pretty good. Yeah, the Birds of Prey stuff and some of the narrative not so good on the no. Birds of Prey movie. No, um, it was really, really... We caused a fight. 
Ian, we're not even 10 minutes on the show and already Big Yank says, hey, it dropped 7 p.m. Eastern and it was by accident. I was trying to watch Sesame Street with the kid to which. So you watched Suicide Squad with the kid. So that's Big Yanks. And then Little Yanks pops on and says, wow, don't blame me. My, my wife asked me when my 11-year-old <laughs> stepson you know, will be ready to see this movie. Like, oh, is it okay for him? And he's of the sensitive nature. And I mm-hmm. said, you know, probably when he's 30. Yeah. Maybe. It's a uh, Matt, Matt Kelly just posted the most spammy comment as well. Matt, I'm trying to do a live show. All right. <laughs> and Matt's like, remind people to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Why don't we just tell people about Suicide Squad? And if they like our content, maybe they'll be into going to the YouTube channel to find more content um, instead of just turning into an ad advertising show uh okay so ian what did i love about this movie um i gotta tell you i thought i was gonna go in and i was going to love the action the humor and all those things that are indicative of a james gunn movie of this scale and you did i did i loved the heart of this movie so much i thought that this movie i came out of this movie and i'm driving home and i'm thinking to myself uh, wait a minute. Well, well, Warner Brothers makes a Suicide Squad movie with heart and humanity, but a gritty and grim Superman movie. I, you know, uh, I, I, okay. I, I, I'm I'm glad you said this because I, I, for me, it's a good entryway into the conversation about the previous film, Suicide Squad. Which, look, we're never going to know. I know that you pretty much myself in the past as well, rolled my eyes at the idea of of release the air cut. Um, But I do find myself, and listen, this is nothing new. I was even in a conversation recently with my wife, who's a writer, and talking about what happens to movies and these studio situations. And I think in particular, you know, because these DC movies are Warner Brothers, and, you know, there's an irony that Warner Brothers is so artist-friendly, director, you know, friendly, but in actuality, what, what it does is they often in the past have let directors just run with movies and do what they want, whether it fit in with it, you know, a, a connected universe or not. Um, but, you know, what's always been the case, and I think a lot of laymen don't get this, is you know, people talk about, you know, movies are made by committee. You know, it's very frustrating for comic book fans because, you know, listen, the source material is so good. You decided to, you know, exploit the source material, make a movie from this IP, this intellectual property, and then, and then they get it so wrong. Why do they get it so wrong? Because then you have development execs who really don't have any love for the source material, don't even know it. They just have ideas about what they think would be the right way to make a movie because, you know, and yes, it's always what they've seen a million times before because, hey, that worked. Or and they're then, making the trailer. They're not even making the movie. They're yeah, making the market. They're exactly. making the marketing. And, and, yeah. and, they, and they tear these movies up, you know, and so often, um, you know, these original scripts are actually really good, but not at all what end up getting made. So I can't speak for Ayer's movie. Um, I know your take on it, um, but I will tell you that the movie that did come out, I really enjoyed at least, probably the first half. I haven't seen mm-hmm. it since then. You talked me out of rewatching it before this. Um, <laughs> I, I, it was a mercy killing, Ian. I, but, I, I couldn't let a good friend do but, that again. But what I want to say is what really annoyed me about it is the whole, hey, let's all come together in the end, you know, just didn't feel like Suicide Squad to me. You know, it was not, not that they motivated. wouldn't come together for a good reason, as you saw in this movie. But in this movie, it wasn't really an inspired speech. It just really came down to 
look, this thing is just killing everybody. You know, it's just straight up morally wrong, but without a cheerleading moment. You know, because yes. the cheerleading moment just didn't resonate properly in, in, the, in that air movie. 2016 has a moment where uh, Boomerang leaves the team and then rejoins the team only for a slow-mo walk. And that seems to be his character motivation for rejoining the team is, oh, I see y'all are all slow-mo walking down the street. I guess I'll jump in and walk with y'all. Uh, what? And it felt like, you know, even in however they cut together, because there, there's some stuff out of order in this movie at the very beginning. And it's uh, it can be confusing if you're not sticking with it or if you're watching on HBO Max while doing something else, which is not the way to do watch this movie. Um, and I just felt like in that first movie, there's they're putting the team together prior to an inciting incident, the inciting incident being like that enchantress type character coming together. And they're like, Oh, we have to stop her. That happens after the teams have been put together in the air cut, which is pretty whack in this version. Even though we don't know what the ultimate threat or mission is, we see that the teams put together, not only is a team put together, a second team's put together Mm -hmm. because the first team is kind of there to commit suicide and to be a distraction for the second team. Mm -hmm. And even though that's a little bit convoluted, I love the, that. I did too. The inciting incident is happening way before that. And it's time for the U S government to step in and, and fix it. And yeah, I think that what's great about that, um, that jump in linearity is you get the laughs in the violence right off the bat. And right off the bat, you also get the stakes in the tone. Uh, when weasel falls out of the, the, the helicopter and can't swim, so it's like, Oh, you realize just how stupid this whole plan oh, is. And I how horrid so it is. hard and at that. that was it was so amazing. Great. It was amazing. Um, and you know, weasel's been on the show. Weasel, you know, Sean Gunn was on the show this past summer. Uh, uh I think a few months prior, maybe a year ago. I don't know, but, um, it was great. And I was like, wait, weasel can't be dead like that. But soon enough, plenty of characters, uh, played by bigger names, including Boomerang, are really, really dead within the first five minutes of this movie. And it set the stakes, it set the tone, and that I could back. That kind of, you know, flashback setup, I could I could get behind. And then, of course, you flash to the other team, you flash to the team getting put together, and you realize, okay, this is all part of a horribly designed plan and a very narrowly designed plan uh, to, you know, destroy or, you know, basically get control of something that's that's hard to control and really just destroy plans that would make the U.S. look bad. But um, where do you want to start with this thing? And really, I mean, Ian, this is this movie was a movie that we both loved, um, you know, sometimes we get into the criticism of this movie. I, I, I got to tell you. I love Guardians 1 so much. This might, though, be my favorite James Gunn film. A lot of people, it's, it's his best reviewed movie, right? I think so, yeah. Um, but, you know. I'll say this. For me, in terms of emotional um, connection, Guardians is stronger for me. Mm-hmm. Um. But this is such a great movie. First of all, let's even... When I saw they were doing Starro, that really blew my mind, okay? And Jonathan mentioned before he invited me on, um, you know, uh, brought me into the, you know, into the studio to, uh, today that I was doing some research. The thing I was researching was 
was trying to search my memory and I couldn't remember Star ever actually fighting the Suicide Squad. So I just wanted to double check that. And I was no, right. He, he's a you world know? ender. He usually fights the well, Justice well, League. No, to be clear, yeah. Star's first appearance is the first appearance of the Justice League. The Brave and the Bold, I think, 28 or something. The okay. Suicide Squad doesn't usually fight world. Oh, enemies. exactly. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure, but like, no, that was just it. And, you know, speaking to, you know, a point you made before, you know, in regards to, oh, the grim Superman, but more to the point, like, I don't want to go off, you know, in a different direction and talk about uh, Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League, except to say that it's far, far, far better than the Whedon version. Because you at least feel stakes. Okay. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting about this is I don't want to say it feels like a Justice League movie, but yeah, they fight the Justice League villain. You know, like it's awesome. And I, and that's coming back to my point before, I love the, you know what? No, it's not a cheerling thing. Let's go beat up the bad guy. But literally, and it turns on Bloodsport going like, you know, can't walk away from this. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a little weird. They're just talking about the islands. Like, well, literally, like, what do you think is going to happen after Starro is done with the island? It's coming for the rest of the planet. Yeah. You know, Starro is huge stakes. And yes, he's silly as heck. And I love the design oh, of the him. Way, I love how silly he is. Even but the silliness. He's a, he's a real plague-like threat. We're well, talking well, John Carpenter's The Thing level yeah, threat. And, well, that's the thing is Gun raised the Starro stakes. Because in the comics, it's always stars wrapped around the head and he's just controlling you. And what Gunn did here, I thought, you know, arguably, so Bloodsport's helmet is a complete nod to Alien, right? And the facehugger's an alien borrowed from Starro, mm-hmm. okay? But in the comics, it's always great. You were facehugged and then eventually Star was taken out and everyone was fine and the starfish fell off. This, no, you're dead. I mean, literally, yep. when you see what people look like with the star off, like the face is gone. It's like acid has dissolved it. You're just an, an automaton. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and no, that, the star was killing people. Yeah, that's horrible. You know? and Which I thought was really cool for this movie and the tone of this movie. Honestly, would be, totally works in general for the Snyderverse, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the grim aspect of that. Um, but, I mean, I thought that was kind of awesome. Yes, Star has this silly-looking you know, cutesy thing to it, except it's giant and it's totally lashing around and it's a freaking kaiju. It's killing people left and right. Yeah. If not with the stars, it's stepping on people. Yeah. As we get a lot. I mean, it, it, this, this movie, again, I think that those first five minutes are so important and why you shouldn't watch this thing on HBO Max while doing your laundry. Those first five minutes are so important to just educating the whole movie on, hey, we're killing Nathan Fillion. Right. We're going to, well, we're going to kill, we're going to kill, uh, was you know, seemingly everyone. weasel, Captain seemingly Boomerang, weasel. Captain Javelin. Boomerang. I mean, it's just like that, that. The reason I loved that in the opening is like, oh, it's Suicide Squad. It opens up, and here's the mission going, and it goes completely tits up immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just you know, it's Fubar. You know, it's just totally like they just get slaughtered. But then to see that it's actually a really smart mission. Oh, right. They're the distraction for the covert team to be getting in, right? And I mean, that's just brilliant. It, it, it so perfectly, truly got the tone. I mean, it was like the perfect Waller. 
Yes. And Amanda Waller, cold, calculating, and just they're just chess pieces. They're just pawns. And she doesn't. And she was okay with Harley dying. She was okay with Flag dying. And these are the the characters from the first movie. She's just okay with clearing the deck. And, you know, when she blows up Savant's head, I think that stuff with the bird is so poetic. And I love how James Gunn does this, where he'll plant a little bit of a seed and then later on he pays it off in beautiful fashion after you've forgotten that seed was planted. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it goes back to why I thought this movie was right. beautiful. Well, you, didn't, you didn't quite say, because the whole point about Savant throwing the ball around and kills the bird. Uh-huh. And then later you see the bird land on his, uh, you know, blown up corpse and starts pecking at it. I think there's these little pieces like that. And again, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. So I'm not, I don't want to totally overexplain, but um, the moments that I thought, resonated the most with me were the moments that he does so well in in guardians which is that these are cast-offs these are losers these are loners these are people who have been written off and are actually aimed to not come back these are these are people who have been discarded in multiple facets of their lives uh this way lethally and um and they find value in themselves and they find value in each other and i think that that makes this movie so strong um king shark is he the is he the, the MVP of this movie or is it Polka Dot Man or is it well, look, um, here, John Cena? I mean, there's so many parts yeah, of this movie yeah, where everyone's every great. Sing- I mean, look, everybody's look, awesome. Well, I want, let's discuss this. So Bloodsport, Idris Elba, who's awesome because Idris Elba is always awesome, right? And um, the thing is, so they did this whole plot line with the daughter, which is actually cribbed straight from Deadshot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I've heard it was, I'm not it really was clear on this. I, in the twenty sixteen movie and they failed that one. Boy, and, and here's the thing is I've heard and I don't know if this is accurate or not, because I had heard somewhere I thought that it was actually supposed to be Deadshot and the and Idris Elba was just they were just recasting and then that caused an issue, you know, whatever Will Smith stuff, so they just ended up making a different character. Listen, I love the Bloodsport stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I actually thought it was a really cool tick. And, you know, in the comics, Bloodsport teleports the weapons in. But I thought the little neck things and everything clicking together, it just, I thought it was really cool. It just had like a very nanite modern feel to it, you know? Um, so I love that. But, you know, but, but the, the daughter storyline, which I loved. But, you know, that's very much a dead shot storyline out of Suicide Squad, you know? Um, you know, go, yeah, going down the list... Uh, King Shark was awesome. You know, the, 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 how dumb he was, but you know, he really wanted to be liked. I mean, you know, the, the scene when he's, he's about to eat Rat Cage 2 where everyone's sleeping, and, it, and it's played so cartoonish. You know, like it's, you know, catching with his mouth open with, uh, up in the air like that. It was hysterical. And easily Heidi's favorite character on screen. And he has I loved many how times cartoonish he was. At the end of the movie, you just think he's going to be dead like over and over again, a building lands on him I and you're know. just like, they're not killing King shark. He's no. too lovable. Um, Jim Pugernelli has a really good insight here. He says, I think this is a movie that has a lot to say about valuing people for who they are. All these main characters are being exploited for their talents while their basic human worth is regard is disregarded. Considering what James Gunn went through at Disney. I think he took that very personally. And yeah, That's I mean, thank you. Thank you. Cancel culture for canceling James Gunn for a year. So he could make this movie. And we still get Guardians three, mm-hmm. so <laughs> mm-hmm. I like I like James. Well, I I think uh, and I think he's super talented. And yeah, um, I mean, I can't look, wait look, to see so Guardians he, three. So but this we're, was we're, my favorite. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're going through it. I mean, 
like, look, first of all, Ratcatcher. I mean, it's Taika Waititi who's Ratcatcher 1. You know, I mean, that, that as just a little side thing is just so awesome. right? And he has a, the most beautiful line in the movie at the most beautiful moment when his daughter's finally seeing the value in herself and all the small things. And that's I mean, the end of the movie is the message of the movie. All of these small things that have been discarded and in cast out are being are uniting to take down the largest thing, the biggest threat, I think, in overcoming the biggest obstacle, I think is beautiful. Um I walked out of the theater just being like, how did you do that so poetically and hilariously and violently with pieces that I don't even think DC wants to use these pieces. And reading these interviews with, about Taika Waititi and Taika, Taika was able to do this movie when they, when they weren't able to put Akira together and he had been offered an earlier role. I believe it was Javelin that they offered him, oh. but, but um, I think Flula Borg is amazing. And Flula, Flula is somebody that if you're a longtime Geekscape, is like Flula hung out at the Geekscape booth at WonderCon years ago, and is like one of the, the Geekscape ties to this movie made me so happy to see you know David Demacian who we helped with his film Animals years ago, and we get a thank you credit on like to see him just bust out as Polka Dot Man is so rewarding to me because he's such a wonderful person to see Sean do so well is just like dude, this is so awesome to watch this movie and um and see that it spun all the plates the entire time perfectly well. There was no part in this movie where I was like, yeah, this should move a little faster. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this could be funnier. There are people who were talking earlier today. Somebody said, oh, some of the jokes fell flat. I was like, which ones? Because having Bloodsport and Peacemaker do a contest, walking through the Rebel Village, killing people was... Hilarious, hilarious and dark and messed up in a great setup for the joke that they're just murdering people that didn't need to be murdered because oh. they were on their side. Oh my God. That was so like, oops, that was so, so <laughs> funny. I mean, they walk in and see flag talking or like they're, everything's fine. Like, and like, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Exploding people's heads, shooting half naked yeah. dudes as they're stepping the out of the for, toilet. For me, I mean, Peacemaker is great, but like he really comes alive when he's just killing everybody. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. It was yeah. so awesome. And we'll talk in a bit about what you think the Peacemaker story, like storyline is going to be for the eight episodes coming to HBO Max here in a bit. But Jim just keeps dropping the knowledge. He's like, so I think Ratcatcher is the secret MVP of this movie. If there's someone who does not deserve to die horribly, it's her, and she gets a chance to die horribly, and yes, it's the, the climax of the film. It, uh, is it the climax? Oh, of the, well, yeah, I think it's it, the climax it, of the film. The thing about her is it it doesn't even feel like she belongs in Belle Reve with them, you mm-hmm. know, except for the fact that it's, I mean, even when they talk about what they would they would do to uh, Bloodsport's daughter, it's like, that's you know, people go there and she has abilities. You know, the, though it's a little odd because it's like in the one sense she needs a device, but then, you know, in her cell she doesn't need the device. So I'm a little unclear on, on how that works. Well, she does say as well. Well, I think it's be, I think the, I think the device is actually a magnification because she's clearly has a relationship with a rat without the right. device just in her cell. Well, see, but, I, I think probably maybe use, using device maybe creates a link. That's so how the, I would. this whole, um, I mean, the, the fact that she's in that prison, they address it. She was just a petty thief. Right. That's and that's not, it. That, that, that's my they point. The book she doesn't belong there. Doesn't belong there. She, she certainly shouldn't have to go on a suicide mission 
to get, I mean, how much time can she really have on a sentence that she needs to go through that? Mm-hmm. You know, the idea is, I mean, it's like, you know, they're major killers, all that, you know, they're getting like major, you know, time taken off their sentence for doing this stuff, you know? I mean, again, come back to Harley. Listen, I love the throwaway line about Harley, you know, and why she was back. You she, know, and the road rage of it yeah, after Birds of Prey, rage. you know? I mean, you know, again, you didn't need to see any of the other movies, but the little nods are there and it's fine. It's great. I thought Harley was awesome. The whole Evita storyline thing they did was just great. You know, with, with her, with the dictator, and he's going to marry her, and they have sex and everything. And then, you know, he starts batting, and he's going to kill women and children, blah, blah, and she just, boom, just kills him. Mm-hmm. You know, because she made a promise to herself that, you know, you know, she would you know, pay attention to the warning signs, you know, any red flags, you know, <laughs> and she it, just kills him. And what, what, what Gunn said was, I mean, this is pretty impressive, but he says, like, not only is she a really great actress, she's really quite the athlete. Yeah. And she actually picked the pocket with that, with, with the, the key hanging from the ceiling. She did all that whole, that whole move that by herself. That was awesome. And the way that her arm falls and the chain falls and her hair falls, he was actually like, this kind of stinks because I want people to know that it is Margot Robbie doing this stuff because it is so impressive that she's able yeah. to do this fluid move. Um, Jim mentioned it, something. It reminds the- me of kind of a, a Blade Runner. You know, of a Gary yeah. and Blade Runner. Like she's just awesome, flipping around, killing everybody. I mean, she it was such an awesome scene, you know, her getting out of that. Uh Jim says, What I love about the final fight is how it completes Bloodsport's arc. I'm gonna make an argument on this one pretty soon. Uh his whole gimmick is using weapons to deadly effect. In the finale, he realizes that the people on his team are more effective than anything else he's got and motivates them. Yes, he becomes the leader that Waller says he is, that he says he is not. That's great. They all complete their arc. Polka Dot Man is only really released from the torture of his mother when he says, I'm a superhero. I am, I'm worthy. Ratcatcher. The, the giant mother oh, is it's amazing. Ratcatcher has her moment where it all makes sense and she realizes that all these things together, that these small things together become something big. Harley has her moment with the javelin where she gets to take down the biggest threat of all. Like, uh, and she opens the door for these smaller things to come in. And, of course, Killer Shark, or King Shark gets thrown through like four or five walls, but he's fine. I, also I, think, think- I think that the most threatening thing to King Shark were those little cute jellyfish things. Oh, God. <laughs> you great. knew we were going to go back. Oh, yeah. They were great. Yeah. They were great. Um, I also think arguably that, that scene where Harley kills a dictator is sort of, you know, Another you know, part of her having, you know, Dealt develop as a character. Joker. You see that. Yes. Mr. Joker. Would, yeah. She's Mr. not Joker. going down with Mr. J again. Um, so, Ian, we love this movie. I don't know how much there is to really talk about this stuff. We can talk a, a little bit about the Peacemaker seri- uh, series that, I mean, that's look, coming he, up. He, but- here's what's great about it is Gunn is completely involved in it. You know, he's shooting it. Um, they set it up great. So we're basically told, you know, which characters are going to be in it. Um, you know, well, let's talk about this because here's one of the things both for this, for that series, as well as for this movie, you know, and it's always one of those weird things when you read the comics, but way back when Marvel's first did the whole, Hey, this is all happening in a shared universe. And way back in the day, it would be like, you'd be reading Spider-Man. You just have one panel of Thor flying overhead because they were all in New York. 
So, you know, you, you definitely get the idea. All right, listen, it, it's a big world and, you know, not everyone's going to be involved in every situation. I mean, I, for one, felt that in Aquaman, it was a little silly, like, how is Superman not showing up? You know? Mm-hmm. And this, too, there wasn't a lot of time, so I'll give it to them. But you, you see my point, right? You see where I'm going with that. But he you could know, when, still be in intensive care from the kryptonite bullet. Well, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's it, it's just, it, it's an interesting thing. You know, like, I'm, who's calling people in and what are they doing? I loved in this movie the idea that, you know, about, about the complicity of the government in uh, Project Star, because that actually, for me, was the explanation of, you don't want, you know, she's not going to the Justice League for this. Right. She's cleaning, she's cleaning up their mess. She doesn't want the Justice League to know about this. And you no. know what? If, if she was, she was fine with the mess getting bigger as long as that hard drive didn't end up right. in someone's hands. She was fine with Starro stepping off that island and becoming the Justice League's problem as long as that hard drive, which is the Peacemaker storyline, does not end up in anyone's hands. And we now know having watched the end credits that there's a, the peacemaker st- series that takes place after the suicide squad, because miraculously the character survives uh blood sport shooting him. Yeah. Um, the moment where he kills flag and the level of regret and sudden like mixed, you know, he he's mixed on where he placed his loyalties is a huge moment. And I've seen John Cena in a lot of movies this summer. <laughs> John Cena has been in a lot of movies this summer and I'm probably watch him again. And I think Hulu has a movie called travel friends or vacation friends coming out. That looked hilarious too. Yeah. But, but that moment right there, and, it, and it's a credit to, to John and it's a credit to guns directing and, and the writing. I thought that beat where he's gone from real alpha, all American, to having a little bit of shading of what he'd just done and how he pr- may have just cost a real patriot their life. That was a beautiful moment. And that was mm-hmm. really sad and tragic. He overcomes it almost immediately because he he's so hardwired. And I'm excited to see what happens in the series, which supposedly yeah. involves his father, played by Robert Patrick, the T2 actor. And, and just how you get programmed to be someone like peacemaker who is a good patriot, a bad person. Um, Cena supposedly is a really cool person. My brother worked with him for years in WWE and, and he, he, Paul has great things to say about John. Um, although Drax is the person who bought him the most lunches in a competition between John Cena and, um, and uh, I'm blanking in our Drax actor. Dave Dave Batista. Uh, Dave bought Paul more lunches, so I I'm a fan of both of them. But but Paul says John is great, um, and Jim throws in on Peacemaker saying I love John Cena in this movie. He's hit solid comic timing. He's got great comic timing, and I think he's developing real chops as a dramatic actor. That moment was a huge moment in this movie for me. The look on his face as Flag died and called him a joke. That was big. You could tell that was the one that really. Yeah, it was cut, awesome. cut deep. Um, so what would you expect from this Peacemaker series? It's him, his father. It's going forward. We have the two. I think whatever they government. have to do is going to go off the rails. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be loosely based. You know, like in the past, there was the, you know, he worked for Checkmate, but he was just too bloody. What is that? Checkmate. To checkmate. Talk, talk, talk to us about so, the character. Because so this is in, really my first impressions of Peacemaker. In, this in movie DC, right here. you have a couple of, you know, fictitious government 
agencies and organizations, right? You have the DEO, Department of External Operations. Um, Checkmate has been a few different things. They're usually a covert organization. Um, at one point in pre-Flashpoint, Checkmate was, you know, was taken over by Maxwell Lord. Okay. That's not good. But, but current Checkmate is coming off of all of, um, you know, the, the, the recent Leviathan stuff. And so current Checkmate is seemingly a force for good. It's like the, you know, the, in, in the background detectives. So it'd be like so, Sword. Sword would be, is it going to be in Marvel? Oh, Sword's more galactic. Yeah, more international. Sword's more yeah. DOA. But, you know, yeah. but yeah, so I'm curious to see, you know, it, it doesn't, I, I don't, I mean, listen, obviously, or seemingly Peacemaker as a show is not going to be the Suit Task Force X. Mm-hmm. That isn't what it is, right? So we'll see. We'll see to what extent Task Force X, you know, and, you know, whoever their government handlers are. You know, what Task Force X is like a wetworks team. It's like a type of like yes. Weapon X wetworks type thing. Funny how these two big publishers mirror each other <laughs> so consistently. <laughs> well, I mean, I would argue that I see why you're comparing Task Force X and Weapon X. Well, there's an X I mean, in it, but really they're yeah. more like a wetworks team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're very different. You know, Weapon X was sort of done as a. Um, sort of revisionist history thing to give some background to Wolverine. Right. Mm -hmm. And really to come up with, Hey, more characters that are related to Wolverine, Mm -hmm. you know, cause they they basically did the, you know, over time you had weapon X as the, that was Wolverine's designation. And then there was a weapon X program. And then, so there was a team. Yeah. And how great would that be in James Gunn's hand to have him with characters like Maverick and all those silly weird weapon x characters um uh jim who should just co-host this podcast at this point says checkmate this recent checkmate series by greg rocka after infinite crisis was a personal favorite it's really good but you read more dc than i do ian um bordeaux great mm -hmm. you know coming off of rocka's run on batman detective actually you know i mean that was great what they did with that character so what i mean if there are storylines that that like the listeners want to go and find that might inform a little bit more of Peacemaker. Like, what are they looking for? Are they looking for it? Well, you know, look, I'll say one thing. I think DC's done a really good job recently of some synergy for this. You know, they always start throwing characters that are in the new movies into comics. But just last week, like they had, you know, I mean, the current Suicide Squad book is really good and Peacemaker's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, they just did an issue one of a Suicide Squad Black Label Kill Joker that was really, really great. Um, you know, they have Suicide Squad showing up in Swamp Thing as well. So there's a lot of current books, you know, with some really good Suicide Squad stuff in it. Um, Suicide Squad as a regular comic is has been hit and miss. Some okay. series are great, some only okay. But I will say the more recent ones have been better than others. And what I love is that a lot of these characters, and you sent me this article earlier today about how DC and Marvel treat a lot of the creators who've established the storylines in comics that have then gone on to be billion-dollar success stories on screen and how rough that is when you're a creator and you get you know, you know, know, basically a, a, a one-off check for the book, but then you go and see your storylines and creations like the Winter Soldier go and make tons of money on the box office. That's rough. Um, there was no precedent for this story 
in many of these characters were just cast off characters. Gunn admits that he put Polka Dot Man in the movie because he just Googled stupid DC characters. Yeah, <laughs> he found and, and Polka, Polka Dot Man, Man is very different. But listen, Polka Dot Man was always this silly visual of a Batman foe who, you know, he had some weapons. I mean, the idea of making Polka Dot Man to actually be a metahuman and have powers, I thought was great. And he's you know, like an Omega level this, in this movie. Well, yeah, that's just movie. it. Because he kind of crossed Polka Dot Man, who visually has something in common with the spot at the Spider-Man villain. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, and then made it projectiles instead of little holes, you know? Yeah, Spot can transport himself. Yeah. And yeah. pieces of you. Yes. I think this, spot the Spot's actually... Like, 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 like go like this and punch you in the face, you know? Like punch, yes, punch the, through himself, you know? Because spot all the spots is, are portals. I always found the spot to be a really scary villain. Spot like, can if be the, scary. Well, recent yeah. takes on Spot have been really scary and shown just how dangerous he can be. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no real precedent for this. Uh, my my experience with King Shark was mainly from his iteration in the Flash series on CW, in which I'm like, okay, okay he's kind of just a killing yeah. force. He's really just a murder machine. In the, but this gave him so much character. I, I've liked him in recent Suicide Squad um, books. You know, there's been a bit of him in, in Aquaman and in Superboy in the past, but this current take is better. Oh, also... They started in a Suicide Squad King Shark uh, mini also started this past week. And actually, that was really good and sort of delving into his both his personality and his background. And is he so an I actual recommend. god? His father is. Yeah. So yeah. he's like Aquaman. He, he, he's the god of sharks. Okay. Okay. We're, we're with. That explains why I'm building a land on him and he's good to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he, he's, he's very powerful. He's very When strong. he falls off that build out of that building i was like oh please don't go splat please don't. and he just shakes it off yeah and then when the building lands on him i'm like oh well, he, please no. all the soldiers are shooting and shooting him and he's fine he's just oh i off. was fine with that bullets bullets had been established yeah. as not a problem uh so i was down with that um you mentioned and i did flip through it the, re- the suicide squad book that's currently happening right now where you know you have superman different dc characters making cameos in the recent book i, I flip through the dc books every now and then um and I thought to myself, well, if they make a third Suicide Squad movie, who knows what filmmaker they'll give it to? I mean, I love James Gunn's take, but I would love to see other people step up with these obscure characters. And I would love the Suicide Squad series to be like a well, showcase for, well, well, for well, characters well, that aren't being used. I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you, Ian. So let me um, say this. Who would let you like to see well, in a third Suicide let, Squad movie? Let me preface this this way. Okay. Going back to 2016... My big issue with Suicide Squad was I thought the timing was off. My personal opinion is the right way to do it is they should have done a bunch of movies and introduced us to a lot of DC villains. And then you do, and then treat the Suicide Squad like what Marvel did with Avengers, but instead do that with the villains. That's like the Forces of Doom. That's like the Sinister Six. People are waiting for that stuff in the Spider-Man universe. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, same thing. Talking about doing the Sinister Six years ago before they even, even showed those characters, it's not the way to do it. I mean, at least in the first in, in A or Suicide Squad, you know, just to establish it, they did that little whatever in the alley Batman with Deadshot. Oh, where he's dressed like Dolmite, and you guess like he was like, "Hey, Batman, how'd you find me?" And I'm like, "You're dressed like Dolmite." Yeah, but but you know, the, at least it was like, all right, because because people needed to see, oh, he's actually a Batman villain. You know, I mean, that was like the problem with it. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, people know who Harley Quinn is. And, you know, and everyone else, like, they, they didn't resonate. You Would know, you I like mean, to see an air cut? 
I would. I, I'd be interested in. I'm, I'm very curious to see what. I've, I've actually. It was to me. I was like, no, that movie was so bad. No, no, no. But then, you know what? Give the dude his cut, and we'll watch it. And it might. It might. I mean, I really feel like that opening where the putting together the team on before there's a reason to put together the team. I think you flip that, you start to add a, some actual momentum to the movie yeah. that's actually pretty valuable. But they needed that credit sequence. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, look, look, uh, like, like for me, like Captain Boomerang is a joke of a character, but I want if you if you showed me Captain Boomerang fighting Flash, I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and, and show that he really isn't a joke that he's deadly. Mm-hmm. You know, so listen, I mean, there's such a plethora of characters you can pull from but i just i get frustrated when you know you're not pulling from you know the universe you've already established sure. i mean it's fine to you know, throw something look i've told you the harley quinn animated series so worth watching so good so funny and jim and, is saying and they do it king shark's in there too. yeah and he's using king shark's in it. he's great in that you know i mean dr psycho is hysterical in that I don't, in I'm not the most with. off-color way, he's a Wonder Woman villain who's a telepath, who's like a mid a a, a little person telepath. Okay, and he and he says exactly what you'd think a misanthropic um, supervillain would say of Wonder Woman in that show. I mean, he calls <laughs> her the c-word constantly, and it's great because everyone's like, "Whoa, you can't do that! You can't say that!" And that's the cartoon that's on HBO Max. Yeah. It it's worth is, watching. Oh, it's so funny. I know you've been pushing me to watch it. Let's, let's do that. It's so funny. So who's on your Suicide Squad team? But that's just and it. Like, na- name the director I, I, and name all, the Suicide well, Squad listen, team. Well, listen, I want Gunn to come back, but, you know, Poison mm-hmm. Ivy. You know, I want Poison Ivy. I want King Shark back. I say bring back Bloodsport, you know. Um, Weasel's still alive. I, I think they can get some comedy if they had Bloodsport and, and Deadshot in there. Sure. You know? Um is Weasel in your team? Weasel's alive. No, I think Weasel stays the joke. You know, he's yeah, Weasel's, off, then Weasel's the again. Weasel's the next. You know, um, listen, I think maybe do a Vandal Savage story and bring Scandal Savage in. You know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, honestly, you know, see, I got the a thing name. Is, I got a name that? for you. I got a name. I mean, Catman, Mad Dog. Sure. Yeah, I, I always thought done a lot on Arrow. I know. So I saw I, that. And, and, and when I was going to write an Arrow spec in like the second year of Arrow, Mad Dog was going to be my villain. Okay. <laughs> I just liked um, his comics back in the day, but I was also 10. So is it was it the comics or was it just my love of Friday 13th? Uh, because he's wearing a hockey mask. I, and I'm just going to shout out Geekscape as Matt Kelly's doing a live stream of all the Friday 13th movies for this Friday 13th on our oh, Twitch but, channel. But listen, so let me say this. I, I enjoy like that. The, I like the idea that has been done a few times and they're doing right now with Superboy in the current Suicide Squad is I like when they pull the hero in. You know, for years, you know, before even the Arrow TV show existed, there was the script going around time about the, you know, basically they were saying it was the, you know, the super villain Max, but Green Arrow got sent into it. Oh, yeah, I remember that script. I think we had a party at Comic-Con where the writer of that script, who who was a hot writer at the time um attended and he told me that he wrote the script for supermax okay so, and it's all know, queen stuck in a supermax prison with all these people who want to kill right. him but what i'm saying is like i like the idea of the hero that for whatever reason they get caught in their vigilante or something goes bad or yeah. whatever it is or wallace pulled some kind of bs but yeah throw that in throw someone like that in into you know 
into you know the suicide squad because you got to replace rick flag you know yeah and jim pelgrinelli says bronze tiger bronze tiger would be awesome great Mm -hmm. character great character to have in there killer frost you know but by the way katana has been a part of the suicide squad a lot in recent years she was in the 2016 version yeah you know is she, did she survive? Who survived that 2016 version besides the ones that showed up here? The one character that I loved that I actually thought they did a good job with in 2016 was the one that they killed. The the, the El Fuego or whatever his Diablo. name was. Diablo. Diablo I thought Diablo, did a good job with. Yeah. I thought Diablo they did a great job yeah, on yeah, in 2016. Um, you know, I don't think you need to go back to the well for Enchantress. Mm-mm. But um, by the way, we didn't say... They did Mongal, which I loved, but I thought she went out too easily because She's because Mongal is such a great, yeah. you know, character to do. If you know, someone's impervious to bullets. It's yeah. Mongol and Mongal. Yeah, and she exactly. got taken out hard. Yeah, so I, I thought she died a little too easily. I mean, she was great, mm-hmm. but I thought that, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so. We got all sorts of different villains. I mean, Geekscapers, you're going to have to educate yourself on what we just talked about because some of these villains that Ian's talking about... By the way, you can, like, pull from, you can pull from more Flash Rogues so easily. Yes. You know, Mirror Master, you know, Piper, I mean, Captain Cold. The Weather you know, Dude. Uh, yeah, Weather Wizard. Weather Wizard. A clown um, Weather Dude. You know, I mean, listen, both Captain Cold and Heatwave have been done on the Flash show, but it doesn't matter, you know? Mm-hmm. And, they'd be, and they'd, they'd be great characters to throw in there. Uh, it, would it be a chance to introduce Lobo, or is he too OP? Is he too powerful? Because Lobo is pretty much impen- indestructible, isn't he? If but you can see how Lobo James the way they Gunn... do yeah, yeah, yeah. The problem with Lobo is he'd say, you know, based on the comic version, is so blow my head off because he just where he grows it, he doesn't care because Lobo was Wolverine on steroids, right? Right. Like super steroids. Lobo was crossing Wolverine with Superman abilities. And making him really bad. That was a script that never got made. Was the Lobo Superman script that was bouncing around? And I don't know if you ever saw the George Miller JLA script, Justice League. Script, I never read the script, it. but you've had it. Have you had it, Grace? I, never I mean, had every it. Now, every now and then it pops into my inbox, and I'm like, no, I okay, I don't. Know. I think I have it somewhere. It's um, called Mortal, right? Um, I, I it was, was just the one. Mortal. It was the yeah. one that was going to have Army Hammer and yeah, different yeah. people in it. Um, yeah. I I just have never read it, but it's sitting there. And now, obviously, the, I think they were also going to do... Um, who's the director that was going to do Batman Superman first? And it was... Um, oh, he did Dust Boot. What's the name of the director? Help me out here with this one. He did the... Um, Jim pelgrinelli has got me. And I know Jim Pelgrinelli will... Help me on this one, uh, German director. I'm just gonna do. I'm gonna consult the book of knowledge real quick um, and just help you out on this one. Wolfgang Peterson. Wolfgang Peterson. Remember, he was gonna do a Superman Batman. Yeah, I do remember that. movie that never really took off. And in a lot of these things were because there was a strike, right? Like 2007 just kind of hiccuped all these projects, yeah, including yeah. that George Miller Justice League. Um, I still love the idea of seeing these movies in some form. Yeah. And since DC is going all in multiverse, I would say, okay, well then give us the Jack Black Green Lantern because that's a movie I would have loved oh, to have you. seen. No, no, that's okay. a fun script. That's a fun Jack Black fun script. That is a script that if yeah, if he's they made that, 
Let him play Gnar. Yeah, no. If, if, if Big Yanks was trying to entertain his kids rather than parent and turned on Sesame Street and accidentally got that Green Lantern series, then I would have been happy. Look, I, I, I'm curious to see what the, the Green Lantern series that they're doing for HBO Max is going to look like. I mean, you know, they, we're, we're mm-hmm. getting Guy Gardner. We're getting... Um, I'd forgotten about that. Alan, yeah. You know, that, that, might be, that, that might be a really interesting series. I think it'll be good. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, we'll you know, what, what do you think about this whole stuff where it, stuff goes up on HBO Max and then a month later it's off HBO Max? You know, you can't just get on there and watch the Tim Burton Batman movies. Or It drives it, me crazy that they're licensing. You know, um, listen, you have to appreciate that HBO Max has only just come along. And so and old content already has existing licensing deals that go back a really long ways. Mm-hmm. So I haven't seen exactly how they've worked. But I assume that the period of time they've had them on HBO Max is based on whatever cutouts it, windows they have in the er- earlier licensed situations. And I would, I assume based on that, that at a certain point, the licensing deals end. And I, I would at least hope that they wouldn't re-up any of them and they would only have it on their servers at that point. But yeah. there's nothing they could do about existing deals. And moving forward, it looks like these things will be, live there. Exactly. For instance, the CW shows that had Netflix deals, but now going forward, they all just go to HBO Max. There's no Netflix. So let's go back to that way we started the show to close it. The the frustration this weekend in Hollywood that this movie made $26 million domestically and just a little bit more than that overseas. I don't know where the alarm bells are on this. It, you know, it was the talk of people in Hollywood. Is this uh, putting at risk a future... Uh, for these characters, obviously we're getting peacemaker yes. series, but like it, it is, it is. I mean, look, here's the thing: it's it's no one is being clear, right? You know, even the Disney stuff. At least they were charging and they were collecting some money. But the HBO Max deal that goes back to the beginning of the year was it's all free. You have HBO Max, you get the movie. There's no added, you know, ancillary money for that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's messy, you know, like, I mean, how do you even, you, you know, for the, listen, that's, that's not good for the studio. I mean, it's all well and good where you have, you know, theater owners mad at Disney because Disney's actually lining their pockets with their $30, which by the way, again, still, I think is short-sighted because they've eliminated a whole window as well as cannibalized the audience. Should there have been but, a two month window before they put this thing up? Three months, one month. Look, we, we, we're living in a really weird time because of COVID. The, the conversation is whether or not these models exist beyond COVID. The HBO Max one does not. They're not going to release it for free at the same time as in the theater because mm-hmm. that's definitely cannibalizing the audience. That was purely a COVID decision that was made, right? Um, what Disney did, people fear, could become an actual model. Well, you know, Universal it, had success with it as well. Right. They did it first. Right. Um, I did not expect, and listen, Disney did do it pretty late in the game. They decided to do it with Black Widow. It was definitely about the virus, you know. Um, I didn't think that Disney would do it with a big movie like that. And they did it also with Jungle Cruise. Does this pivot things for Shang-Chi? Or are we too close to Shang-Chi at this the, point? It's, it's, we're not too close. The, it, the, you're, we're talking about whether or not the Delta variant becomes you know, a bigger thing or not. The Omega the plan- variant. 
Right. Well, the plan is that Shang-Chi is not going to have the day and date, and it's just going to be in theaters. Um, listen, I worry about Shang-Chi. I mean, I hope it's good. I hope it does well, but I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not, I haven't heard, you know, that buzz for it, that early tracking is great. Mm-hmm. You know, Wait. at the same time, it's going to probably do huge business in China. You said that early tracking is good for it. You've heard no, early I, tracking. No, I don't think it is. I, I haven't heard any. Is. Yeah, I don't think it is. Yeah. But, but, but you know, and here's the thing, and I hate to say this, but, you know, and we're, we're way off topic because now we're going to the other, the other side sure. of the, of the well, tracks. We can, but, we'll bring um, it but look, Shang-Chi, Marvel was in an interesting position back with Iron Man, right? Because their A-list characters were already licensed. Mm-hmm. And they did this great job of what were considered B-list characters in terms of popularity. Though the Avengers and those characters were considered the heart of Marvel and yet not the most popular characters. Mm-hmm. They did great with the B-list characters. And really, you know, when you went to the Netflix stuff, that was like really considered the C-list characters, you know? Um, I mean, Daredevil is an interesting one because Daredevil has this one, maybe two runs in comics that are considered seminal and some of the best stuff. You know, but otherwise, C-list, right? Yeah. I mean, really, um, the A-list was, did you have a Fox cartoon in the early 90s when it came down to it? It was like, that was Spider-Man and the X-Men. Yeah. Right, right. In the Hulk, um, which was over at Universal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, now we're getting to a point where Marvel, you know, because it's Marvel and they've done so well, they're opening it up. I think it's great. You know, your character like Shang-Chi is like, that's like E-list mm-hmm. or lower, you know? Um, cool character. Um, from what I've seen in the trailers, they're pumping him up to make him more than just a basic martial artist. I think they're doing some really cool stuff where we're finally getting the Mandarin rings. Mm-hmm. You know, so so that excites me. Um, and we'll see if just having Marvel on, on it does it. Because it's really unclear about Black Widow. We'll you know, and and so bringing true. it back around, that's like, yeah, so it, it's sort of a similar conversation about the Suicide Squad. You know, a lot of people think, you know, what was it? Was the title a mistake? Probably. Probably should have called Test Force X. Mm-hmm. You know, done something to truly distinguish it from the last one. You know, outside of hardcore fans, people get confused. They don't understand what what it is that's coming out, you know. And then to have it at home, you know, as an option without any extra money at the same time, people people aren't as savvy as you would think they are. Well, we don't cater to those people here on Geekscapey, and we but, only but again, cater the to, question we only became the hardcore, right? But whether or not this was a four quadrant movie, you know, which most aren't, right? No, this is not for kids. No, no, pardon me. Um, so Yanks has a question, and we'll wrap up. Big Yanks. Uh, Jim has a question too. Is is Starro truly evil in this movie? No, I think that he's a neutral space existence. I don't agree with that at all. I mean, you well, think what, he's evil? Evil or? Um, I think he's. I think he's a parasite. Evil. No, I think yeah, Starro's yeah. a parasite. I don't think he's evil. I think he's a parasite. I, I don't. I wouldn't call him evil, but he's notwithstanding the fact that I mean, if, if your argument is oh he he was experimented on, now he's lashing out. No, he was here no. to conquer. I mean, that's yeah. his nature. His nature is to, to take over the whole world. And as I said before, unlike in the comics, it's not like, oh, took over and everyone can go back to normal afterwards. Like, he's killing everybody. He's killing everybody he touches. Um, Big Gang says, but wouldn't WB 
not charging help them inflate their subscription numbers yes but where do you track that and how do you yeah you're not charging an extra 30 dollars. So, so how are you putting that towards the that it, specific film's it, box it, office? it's great to notice that a lot of people watched it i'm not clear on, that a lot of people turned around and subscribed to it mm-hmm. just to watch it so there's that yeah. you know this is the tricky thing with these conversations about the streamers right um when they talk about driving subscriptions well Great. You put a movie on that you spent, I don't know, $185 million on. And did you get some subscribers for that month? Because let's be honest. Yes, maybe some people came in because they wanted that movie and they subscribed and they checked some other stuff out. But, you know, then you're hoping that you retain them and they don't just turn it off the next month. And knowing, I mean, we're several months into this. We're a a year, maybe you can argue that we're into this. Uh, And so I think we're working with a less and less small sample size Justice League Snyder Cut should have proven uh, that this was a working model and the subscription numbers just on that title weren't what was impressive. Like uh, the, the tra- you know, the trade publication said that not a lot of people subscribed just to watch Snyder Cut. It didn't do what was expected for it to do. Right. H- you know, the problem for HBO Max um, is that... When you fast forward if- on it, it breaks? If they had been more organized oh. from the get-go, like, you know, Disney did arguably a slower rollout in terms of, you know, original programming. I mean, obviously they didn't have the legacy HBO channel behind it, but you know, it's sort of a problem for DC in general is that yes, you have the Berlanti Arrowverse stuff on the CW, but you know, they should have had it planned like, great. We're finally getting peacemaker. Now mm-hmm. they should have been in front of that. Like, you know, two years earlier. You know, where maybe are we getting the Batman show based on the new the Batman movie? Supposedly, but maybe not. You know, they keep it. Everything keeps turning around. You know, like we shouldn't have to wait so long for that content because that's what drives subscriptions. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's regular content and it should, it should keep happening. Disney started off slowly. I mean, the Mandalorian was such a giant way to start, and now you know you got Star Wars shows and Marvel shows. I mean, there's no question. Yeah, there's no question that if you're a, a, a you know sci-fi comic book fan, you know you have a Disney subscription, and we are going to be rewarded by that on Wednesday when we start off with yeah, what if. yeah, it's gonna be yeah. I mean, late tomorrow night. What if we're you know thirty-one hours away from? It. Yeah. So, Ian, let's wrap things up. Um, Jim has one last thought. He says, hey, "Listen, was Starro bad though?" Star was just floating around before those astronauts brought him on board and chained him to a wall. Right, I think, and, what, I think, and what was their nature Jim, floating around? Yeah, you know, what, yeah. what, what planet were they on yeah. that they hadn't done this and before? In, they didn't just in, suddenly evolve that. In Slither, he had a very similar monster, and I believe that he had it a very similar monster like that, if you argue in Guardians 2. Okay. That there was that, that uh, you know, you could say so, that... that there was a similar villain Guardians too that was thinking. Yeah. That, that. So, 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 so the argument then is: Does Star have to do that, or is it something he's capable of doing? Yeah. Well, that's a discussion you can take to the Geekscape Forever. I mean, uh, it's Facebook it's Star, it's Star of the Conqueror. I yeah. think that he's out there floating, and he has you know parts of himself out there to land on planets to take him over. So that's my feeling. Let's take that discussion of the Geekscape Forever Geekscape group. And Big Yank says, hey, hold on. Is there a Geekscape Patreon level where we can have a Q&A with Ian? I would rather have that than support Matt Kelly watching shitty TV and not being homeless. Oh, well, I don't know. Send an email. I'm at Jonathan at Geekscape.net. You got Matt at Geekscape.net. Find it doesn't, out. it doesn't have to be either or. 
<laughs> you can keep having Matt watch shitty TV, but he's going to be watching all of the Nightmare on uh, Friday the 13th, this Friday the 13th, and uh, y'all can hang out with him on the Twitch channel. It's going to be fun it, watching him slowly devolve until his brain melts out of his nose from watching Jason Voorhees movies. All right, Ian, we can tweet at you at Ian L. Kerner on Twitter. Yeah, you could. You're on Facebook. Sometimes you're in the Facebook Forever uh, Geekscape Forever group. And um, yeah, I'm Jonathan. You can again email me at Jonathan at Geekscape.net. Share this with all your friends. Tell them, hey, these guys talk Suicide Squad. And they had an okay conversation. Pretty good. So tell them to subscribe and share it. Um, we'll be back next week with thoughts on the first episode of What If, some other movies, all sorts of stuff going on here on Geekscape. And yes, help Matt Kelly out by subscribing to that Geekscape Patreon. But really, like, also go to that YouTube page. we got a lot of stuff going on in Geekscape. We have like 15 shows now. So like, that's my plug. A lot of Geekscape stuff going on. The best way to find out is to subscribe, find us on social media like Facebook, and be a part of it. Ian, I'll talk to you about Shang-Chi coming up in a few weeks. It is that soon, isn't it? Dude, it is that soon. It's that, we're finally in this place. Now we get Marvel content like left and right. All the time. We used to just get it only on Wednesdays, and now we get it yeah, all, all the, the time. time. It's going to be pretty amazing. Uh, Geekscape, thanks for joining us. Um, we'll be back in a few days for more Geekscape. If you miss us, subscribe to one of the other Geekscape shows. You won't be disappointed. All right? Peace, everybody. Cool. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.